Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we have the co-founder and CEO of GreenPal, Mr. Brian Clayton. And I'm Carl McKinney, co-hosting with, with Seth Green and Kevin Harrington, the Sharkpreneur Podcast. Brian, welcome today, and thanks for your time. Awesome, Carl. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear. Um, I need lawn care all the time. Every, every And every summer, I find myself going to a different company because I can't get you know, I can't get a reputable company, and I'm in Buffalo, New York, so I bet you can guess what I need between uh, December and March, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what we're here for. That's what Green Pal is built for. Green Pal is built to solve that problem of the disappearing lawn guy. That is perfect. Can you tell us a little more about your role as co-founder and CEO of Green Pal and how it connects homeowners to the lawn care professionals? Yeah, so uh, Green Pal is an app that works like DoorDash or Postmates or Instacart or Uber, but for lawn mowing services. So if you're a homeowner and need to get a grass cutting service, you just jump onto the app, you pop your address in, you get five quotes, uh, and you can hire the lawn care service that you want to work with right through the app. You can read reviews and, and look at other data about them, like how often do they show up on time, what other people are saying about them, and then also how often they get booked for second, third, and fourth mowing, and so on. Okay. All of this data kind of gives you a, a are kind of enough information to make a good hiring decision on the platform. And then they come and do the yard for you and you get a picture of the completed job. And then if all goes well, you just push to pay and rate this experience. And then you can set it up for the entire season to happen every week or every two weeks. And then it's wow. the platform's job to make sure they show up on time, make sure that they're doing a, a good, consistent job for you. That that certainly sets it apart from traditional lawn care services. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. My wife and I have a, <laughs> Having a sixty by one thirty lot that I, I I don't want to ride the John Deere on all the time, and so I need some help. And I'm so glad that uh, to interview you today because guess who I'm going to be calling? Awesome. And, and that's I, that's what we're here for. And then you guys have had really super growth. I mean, and and you weren't just calling yourself the Uber of lawn care. Entrepreneur Magazine calls you the Uber of lawn care. Uh, man, you guys yeah. had over. Tell me about that. Go ahead. Unpack that a little for me. For a while there, uh, being associated with Uber wasn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, Uber went through some tough times uh, in terms of of their perception as a company and perception in the marketplace and how they treated riders and drivers. But I think they've... I think they've straightened that out. And and so uh, to be called the Uber of lawn care is, is fine by us. I think 
I think if you're you're explaining what it is your company does, it can be helpful to to attach to something else that people already know because sure. you can very quickly uh, describe what it is the value proposition of the businesses in one sentence. So so we're fine with it. Um, you know, these days there's there's many services uh, that work like this. You know, like like an Instacart, like a DoorDash, like Uber, like Airbnb. When we first got started ten years ago, there weren't. Uh, there, there weren't many services where you could push a button on your phone and magic happened. Something happened in the real world. So we were kind of uh, one of the first to bring this chore of lawn mowing onto into the new world, into the digital mm-hmm. world. Um, and and uh, I think it's still day one. I think uh, you know okay. as, as time goes on, we'll still be looking to our phone to push a button and get stuff done. Well, listen, you you've you've uh, you've grown three hundred thousand active users and thousands of daily transactions. Tell us about the challenges and opportunities you have uh, you've encountered scaling yeah. and growing that much. The first uh, five six years of starting this business were really 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 tough because when you're getting a marketplace going, you're you're connecting buyers and sellers, so you have to get both of them onto the the platform at the same time, and then you also have to do that in every city and town. And it's not like every city; it's it's every community uh, okay. around around the city. So you know, take any city, any major city, like, like Atlanta. Uh, it, when we launched Atlanta, we, we didn't have, we didn't have to launch Atlanta. We had to launch Riverdale, Alpharetta, Brookfield, uh, 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 Smyrna, all of the towns around Atlanta, okay. um, one by one is so we had to recruit the vendors onto wow. the platform and then market the platform to the consumers and, and, uh, and spark those connections between the two. So that was one of the main challenges when we first got started. Now that, you know, we, we've got a little bit of momentum, 300,000 people, give or take, using the app. We're trying to get to a million people using it. We feel like we can get there in a few years. The, now the challenges are a little different. It's, it's uh, how do we, at scale, make decisions and make, make bets that, that are going to pay off? And how do, we, how do we figure out new ways to market to, to consumers that, that we aren't, aren't already good at? And so that's part of the challenge now as we, as we approach a million people. New marketing, that, that thing, you know, we're all struggling with that one. Yeah, hey, that's the hard part. <laughs> and then, you know, that's that's the reason for these podcasts. That's and, right. Uh, now, now, before Greenpal, you founded Peachtree, and uh, I guess it became one of the largest landscaping companies in Tennessee. Uh, that's I'm, right, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you took some lessons from that and applied them to uh, Greenpal, didn't you? Tell us about that. I definitely, definitely helped because I was able to start Green Pal kind of on first base in terms of okay. uh, I knew how the industry worked. I knew where where it it, it was inefficient. I knew where uh, an app, a website, a platform could make it run better. So those things definitely helped. What didn't help me was I had never ran a tech company. I had never built software. I had never started a tech a technology business. And so those two journeys were very different. They were very different experiences, very different tool sets. And so it took me about three years to kind of reinvent myself from a, a blue collar entrepreneur to a tech entrepreneur, teaching myself how to write software, teaching myself how to design software. So that took a while, but but I'm glad I stuck it out because that's part of the fun, uh, learning and growing and evolving as you grow your business is part of the, uh, of what makes it rewarding. That's cool. Now, so you, you talked about your challenges, but I know your expertise lies in entrepreneurship, small business uh, growth and marketing and bootstrapping a company from zero revenue to profitab- profitability, I can't speak English today. 
Uh, what advice would you have to aspiring uh, entrepreneurs uh, looking to start and grow their own businesses? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it, it, at different stages of the game, my advice would would be a little different. Uh, so, like okay. if you're first getting started and you don't you 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 don't know what to do, you don't have any customers. Um, I think one of the best things is to is to do your own customer service. And what I mean by that is a lot of times um, founders of new businesses will want to hide behind an email or want to put a one eight hundred number on the on the website. And really, that needs to be your email address. That needs to be your cell phone number because you need that customer feedback to figure out what it is you're doing that's that's upsetting customers, what it is that you're doing that's solving a problem for them, what they wish you would do. And so a lot of times new founders will look at customer support and customer service as as kind of a have to do or or as a as a cost. And really, it's it's something that you get to do. It's it's something that's happening for you because it's free R&D. You really need that feedback to figure out if you're on the right track or not. So that's something that I have to even remind myself to this day. You know, even though we have several hundred thousand people using the app, I still do at least an hour a day of, of customer service where I'm answering the main phone number. I'm doing the live chat wow. because I don't ever want there to be some weird like gap between my perception and, and how cu customers view the product. Gotcha. Now I want to talk about that red S on your chest for a moment. Uh, Peachtree got up to $10 million in annual revenue before its acquisition, of course. But what strategies did you use to achieve uh, such substantial growth? I really do speak English, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a great question because um, uh, a, a service-based business like that, a construction company, a ser home services company, which is kind mm -hmm. of what, what, what it was, we did we did landscaping installation, we did maintenance, all sorts of things. And those types of businesses are great small businesses. They're, they're really good to keep small and profitable. But if you want to grow them to 10, 20, 30, 50 people, 100, that company eventually got to 150 people. It's, 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 it's a really different ballgame. It's a different uh, journey than, than how you start off. And so I guess it was year three or four, I realized that I wasn't in the landscaping business at all. I was in the sales business and that I needed to spend all my time working on the sales process and working on, okay, how do we identify our customers? How do we uh, create a value proposition that, that they, that's going to solve their problems and make their life better? How do we pitch them? How do we close that business? How do we keep that business? And, and working on that, that process was what was going to get the business from a million to 3 million to 5 million and, and ultimately 10 million a year in revenue that landscaping was just kind of a side product. Really, we were in the sales yeah. business. And so it wasn't until I had that epiphany that, that were we able to start growing the business beyond a million in revenue. Gotcha. So uh, how did your experience at Peachtree influence your decision to start, uh, to start GreenPal? And what aspects of the landscaping industry did you intend to disrupt? Yeah, it. Uh, when I sold the company, um, I thought that that was it. Uh, I was I was still kind of a young man. I was only thirty three when I sold it, but but I I thought that I was just going to um, passively invest and kind of live the good life, I guess you could say. And and what I what I realized was that that's fun for about a month, maybe three months. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you know, after, after about three or four months, it starts to get existential real quick. And like the answer to the question, why do I get out of bed in the morning and why does it matter? 
uh, really starts to set in. And, and so I, I started to realize, man, I need another project. I need another, I need oh, another yeah. mission. I need another reason why it's important for me to stay sharp. And um, I need to get another team going, working on a common goal. And, and I, and I was pretty certain I saw what Airbnb and Uber were doing at the time, 2013, 14. And I thought somebody's going to build an app for, the lawn mowing industry that I know very well. And why can't it be me? Why can't I do that? And it was kind of naivete as an asset. I didn't really know how challenging it was going to be, but, but uh, recruited two co-founders and we started working on the idea for what we thought green pal should be that there should be an app. You should be able to push a button, get quotes, hire somebody. They do a great job and you pay them right through the app. And as simple like as a concept as that, as that sounds, it was actually a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And <laughs> so what, what I thought would take six months ended up taking three years. Okay. But we just started working on the app and little by little making small incremental progress. You know, we started off with 10 customers and got that to 100. And after 100 customers, we celebrated that. And then we want to get to 500 customers and little by little inched our way to, to a, a platform that works. That's a great story. That is a great story. Now, one of the things you, you mentioned, you know, going from 10 customers to 100 and 500. So customer acquisition and retention are really important in lawn care. And I, I think I've alluded to the fact that I have a different company every summer because they're around to retain. Right. Tell, me how, tell me how you can help me. Tell me how you address those, uh, those aspects. Yeah, it's, it's a lot harder to... Well, I guess let me reframe it. It's easier to sell to an existing customer than it is to get a new customer. Yes. And so a lot of times if you if you look at like your business as a as a as a as a bucket and it's like you're putting water in the bucket, you want to fix the leaks in the bucket before you try to put more water in it. And <laughs> and so and 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 no no successful business is 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 built uh, upon uh, a, a a leaky bucket, and no, in, in every successful business, ha- keeps its customers, or at least the majority of them, and mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of what we spent years trying to figure out. When we when we first uh, started growing and scaling, we you know we got to a thousand customers, and and we thought, well, you know, if 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 ten people or a hundred people use the, the product in in a in a week. We need to make 99 of them happy. And right now we're only making like 60 of them happy. And so let's spend all our time working on the 40 that are pissed off and all of the reasons why they're upset. And let's just start fixing those problems one at a time. So it could be their long guy showed up late. Long guy left the fence gate open. He didn't do a good job. He didn't uh, mulch up the leaves when he got done. He didn't blow off the back patio. Um, He didn't honor the price that he quoted. Um, He uh, had dull lawn mowing blades. Like I could go on and on and on and on. There's, there's a million things that can go wrong with this service. And we set out to solve them one at a time. And we would kind of triage around the ones that were happening the most at any given time. And mm-hmm. then we would move on to the next set of problems. And, and it wasn't until we started doing that that we started to pick up steam and, and we would get customers to kind of bank them and, 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 make, and make a little bit of profit off of them and use that to get more customers. And so... Um, I think every successful business at its core has to keep and hold on and retain the people that they do business with. And you, you were correcting those problems from a distance. You yeah. know, how, tell us about the methodology. How did you do that? Yeah, it's, it's a combination. Um, 
of, of, of several things. So when you get suppliers onto a platform like this, first you have to vet them and you have to make sure that they're actually in the business and you have to okay. make sure that there's a minimum standard there. And so we start there and, and you would think that would be enough, but really that's just kind of like, uh, that's just kind of like minute one of day one. Like that's, that's just like the very beginning. Then we rigorously score them and, and how they are performing. And so uh, what are the ratings they're getting on the platform? Are they showing up on the day they're supposed to, are they uh, following up uh, with a customer after they get done to make sure they were happy? Are they getting hired for additional services? Are they getting hired for, for the whole year? Because if somebody is getting, winning new business on GreenPal and, and they're the king of the one and done, that means that they probably aren't very good because nobody wants to book them again. And so we use these signals uh, to, to demote sorry. the service providers that, that aren't reliable and just aren't good, aren't taking this business seriously, and, and promote the ones that, that are good. And so as a consumer, you get to hire somebody who is reliable, who takes this business seriously, who, who is, is professional about their craft. And then you get to avoid the, the folks that just aren't taking the business seriously, who don't care to show up on time, don't care to follow up, don't care to do a great job. Let's, let's get them somewhere. Let's, let's send them on, uh, moving on down the road somewhere else. Let's let them waste somebody else's time. But on GreenPal, you have to run your lawn mowing business in a professional way. Okay, that's great. That's good stuff, and it makes so much sense. So, so tell me. Well, first question, next question. Curious. Tell me about the name Green Pal. Tell me about the inspiration of that. Well, tell my audience what I'm going to listen to. Yeah, about yeah. The name Green Pal. So we we came up with the name in about twenty minutes. Really? <laughs> uh, we were like, we got to call this. We got to call this something. And <laughs> and uh, we had a. We, we, we brainstormed a bunch of names. They were, I mean, I'm embarrassed to even think about what some of them were. <laughs> but we were like, well, okay, so so this is a way to to pay your lawn mowing guy or gal. And uh, so, but we don't want it to seem like it's like we are your lawn mowing service. We connect you with your your friend in the business, your ba- your pal, your bud, your your buddy, you know, like. <laughs> We connect you with your pal that mows your yards, and so that's how we that's how we landed on the on the on the pal part, and then the green part. This is this is called uh, in the industry the green industry, and the green industry is a ninety nine billion dollar industry. It's a big one, and so we we're like, okay, well, we're we're trying to disrupt the green industry. We connect you with your pal, your buddy, so we'll call it green pal, and uh, went to go get the trademark, and it was it was it was taken. So we had to. Yeah, we had to buy that. And then, and then we uh, couldn't get the domain. And so we had to call it yourgreenpal.com. And then, uh, and then about three years ago, we were finally able able to get the domain name greenpal.com. Gotcha. Well, those are the kind of challenges that entrepreneurs have and you overcome those and many more. Talk about the future a little bit. Um, What what future plans or innovations can we expect from GreenPal coming years? Yeah, we, you know, we're, we're 10 years in, we're a 10 year overnight success and, you know, 300,000 plus people using it, but we, we need to be at a million. We need to be, we want to be in like kind of the conversation of the default way that you do this chore. And so, and so you think about, oh, don't go to the grocery store, just get on Instacart or don't use a taxi, just get an Uber or, you know, um, don't get a hotel, just get an Airbnb. Like these are parts of the English language. And so we, GreenPal 
needs to be uh, along the same lines. It's so, okay. Just get a green pal to mow your yard. So that's what we're driving towards. We, we have some, some ideas on how to get there. A lot of it comes down to how do we market the platform better. But also we're getting better at understanding uh, pricing around how much a lawn should cost and, and giving you an instant price so you can instantly book somebody rather okay. than having to wait on quotes. And so we're working on that and, and a couple other things too. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing those things. Are you nationwide? Can I? Can people get you everywhere now? Yep. Every city in the United States with over 15,000, 20,000 people, uh, there's vendors on, on the platform that you can hire just by signing uh, up. That is great. That's great growth in 10 years, too. I don't think uh, Uber or DoorDash were everywhere in 10 years. Uh, you know, they they may or may not have been, but no. they, did ra- they, they did raise a bunch of money, and we have not. Yeah. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we have funded the business off of its own revenues, which makes it a little slower of a journey, but it, it, sure. it makes it more uh, makes it more durable, and it makes it makes it a safer journey. Well, you know, you've obviously done a great job. We're going to continue to grow, and you, you got a new customer signing up. Oh, well, I don't know when we're off of the podcast here. Awesome. Um, yeah, we're expecting some snow. Um, well, oh, it's fantastic. Buffalo. Actually, today honestly, it's fifty-one degrees. But hey, that's nice for Buffalo this time <laughs> oh, of year. <laughs> oh yeah, but but things can change quick. But listen, <laughs> given all your success, what is the one? And we touched on a few of your challenges, things you had to deal with. But what's the one biggest problem that you have to overcome today? Yeah, you know, it's 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 like uh, for me. I'm I'm always managing my personal psychology, and so I, uh, I I heard a quote somewhere that success is expectations minus results, and so so whether you feel like you're successful or not, it's it's basically what did you expect to happen, and what actually happened, mm-hmm. and then that equals success. And so I think a lot of times we feel successful or unsuccessful based on what we expected to happen. And so if you can dial in your expectations and not like sandbag yourself, but right. but there's somewhere in the middle, there's a happy balance, especially in the early days, you know, let's just get 10 customers and not worry about anything else. That will be success. You're not going to take over the world in a year. This ain't the movie, the social network, you know, it's like, it's going to take some time. And so if you can, if you can manage your own personal psychology at every level and every step of the journey, I think it can help you keep the momentum and keep and keep the the consistency. And so that's something that I struggled with in the early years. And even today, I, I wish this project would go quicker, faster, easier. But <laughs> but, uh, but in a lot of it go, comes back to, OK, let's set a goal. Let's knock it down. Let's move on to the next goal. And let's manage our psychology through that. OK. All right. This is great. Uh, this is great stuff. My audience is going to love it. Tell my audience where to reach you, how to, how to sign up for a. Uh... Yeah, just download GreenPal in the App Store or Play Store or just go to GreenPal.com, sign up, and uh, and you'll get five free quotes in a couple minutes, and you can hire a great lawn mowing service. That is good stuff. Hey, listen to my audience, guys. Today, we've had Ryan Clayton, CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. Can I say it? Can I say the Uber for lawn care? There you go. The Uber for lawn care. Can, can we add in there the uh, Uber for snow uh, removal too? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can use it for snow removal services now, so check it out. That's super stuff. That's great stuff. It's been a great time with you today, Brian. I want to thank you for your time. I thank my audience. This is Carl McKinney, co-hosting with Seth Green and Kevin Harrington, the Sharkpreneur Podcast. We will see you, talk to you, and speak with you next time. 
Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C-SuiteRadio.com.